I want to introduce Bethany Birch. She is our children's ministry coordinator here and also um, office administrator extraordinaire. And a couple of, I mean, she's, she's just an awesome friend, but Bethany is the best listener I have, I have ever known. She is super compassionate and she's just an awesome, all around wonderful person. And I am so excited to hear what she has to say. So come on out, Bethany. Oh, thanks. Good morning. I'm kind of tickled that she called me a good listener because actually when I first met the Underwoods, I couldn't get their name right. I saw the other day I had it written down as a Pastor Underhill. And when we were planning our wedding, I remember talking to my brother and I said, oh yeah, um, my pastor said he was gonna lend us some stuff, uh, Pastor Underwear. <laughs> But we're great friends now, so it's good. But yeah, I was thinking um, when I got up here, there'd probably be a lot of people who are like, oh yeah, I know you. They let you up there. And then there's other people who are like, hey, did she even go here? Because you know, since children's church is my domain, I'm usually down there. Um, some weeks I just don't make it upstairs, but I'd rather be down there anyway, because we have snacks. <laughs> and sometimes we do crafts. Do you do crafts and snacks up here? Not that I can tell, but seriously, I love the kids and the kids' ministry, and I love growing closer to Jesus with them. Um, here's a picture of a couple of them with their listening ears on. This is Lily, Eloise, Ari is holding the guitar, uh, Ravel, and Liam. Um, and you know, every week, the stuff those kids say and do either cracks me up or makes me tear up. Like, there was one Sunday where we were doing a craft about the story of Moses being placed in the basket. When Amy Donaldson, who is an awesome mom, uh, came downstairs to pick up her kids, Liam yelled, Mom, we're making babies. <laughs> I'm really glad you weren't a guest, Amy. That would have been weird. <laughs> a few weeks later, we did the story about God's presence settling on a mountain to speak with Moses. The story really focused on God's glory. There was thunder and lightning and the presence of God settled on the mountain like a cloud. And after the story, Ariana, Amy's daughter, um, she sighed and she said, I've never seen God. I told her, you know, I haven't either, but there were some people who saw Jesus. And she was like, who did? And I said, his friends. And Ariana said, I wanna see Jesus right now. Aren't they wonderful kids? Don't you want to volunteer in the kids' ministry? Because I can get you signed up. But what Ariana said about wanting to see Jesus is kind of the center of what I wanted to focus on today. And that might seem odd for a Mother's Day message, but I think motherhood is one of the fastest and hardest ways that God uses to refine your soul for being in the presence of Jesus. That's one of the ways I think your perspective shifts as you grow as a Christian. You realize that events aren't just events in themselves. They're, they're ways that Christ can shape your heart and soul in pre preparation for spending an eternity with Jesus. This refining process happens in the life of every Christian. Motherhood is just the process in a pressure cooker. You can resist it. You can always resist change to your own detriment. 
So I wanna encourage you today through my stories and some scripture to surrender to the Holy Spirit and let him change you through challenges. I am coming from the middle of some of those challenges. Um, here's us at Elizabeth Brown's wedding last year. Um, my husband Clark and I have an almost two-year-old son named Carver, after George Washington Carver, my favorite botanist. Carver's incredibly sweet, smart, and quiet. He's naturally obedient, it's weird. Sometimes I'll ask him to do stuff and he just does it. He was pretty easy as a baby too, but even so, I've felt a lot of pressure as a mom. Uh, there's so much that you have to give up that you don't even realize. Uh, there's a lot of expectations of you and you have so many expectations of yourself. You run into problems that you never would have imagined, but like Romans 5, 3 through 4 says, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, thank you so much for being in this room with us. Thank you so much for working in our lives, working in our hearts. Please help us all to just want you more and more. In your name, amen. So we all know we should be developing our character, right? We're supposed to have the fruits of the Spirit, or you could say that you should be able to show by your developing character that the Holy Spirit is working in you. Those fruits are love, joy, peace, and so on. The thing is, we can't obtain those traits just by reading about them. They have to be developed. You might learn peace after going through a season of fear. You might learn how to be joyful by being depressed for a long time. You might learn how to love through being with difficult people, the crazy makers. One of my first learning challenges before I even became a mom officially was learning to be compassionate rather than judgmental of other parents and their kids. You ever heard the term mommy guilt? Yeah, so that's actually triggered mostly by moms who have different kids and different lifestyles um, and it's all turning out really well, so they think they must be doing it right. And actually, I was an amazing parent when I was pregnant. You know, like before I had a kid? I drew up this list of always and nevers in my head. Like, I will always give my kid healthy food. Or, my kid will never throw a fit in Walmart. Like it says in 2 Corinthians 10, 12, I was using myself as the standard of measurement when I compared myself to other women. And since I hadn't made any mistakes at that point, uh, since I didn't have a kid yet, I kept deciding I was better than these women. Isn't this a great way to start out my talk? I thought I was so much better than all of you. <laughs> um, yeah, I was gonna do better. I was gonna raise the perfect child because I would actually discipline my kid and I would actually make sure he got the right nutrition. But you know what actually happened? my kid threw a fit in Walmart. We were in the store, this was a couple months ago, and I told Carver that he couldn't pull a truck off a shelf. And normally he would have left it alone and been just fine. But that day, he started bawling and yelling, no, no! At first I ignored it, because you don't give in to toddler terrorism. 
but he kept crying for a long time. I tried offering him toys, and then chocolate, and then a YouTube video on my phone, but everything seemed to make it worse. So I knew people were staring, and I was trying to go as fast as I could, but I didn't want to leave because there was no way I was coming back at that point. But eventually, I figured out the problem, why he was freaking out. You know why Carver was crying? He was in pain. He had two sets of molars coming through at the same time. That's four teeth breaking through the gums. You know, one of the problems with judging parenting is we're not just showing a lack of compassion for the parent, but also the child. Kids are people too.、Um, they're just not experienced in handling their emotions. Don't you ever feel like throwing a fit? You've learned better ways of dealing with those feelings, probably. <laughs> there are a lot of ideas out there about the proper way to be a mom. You could drive yourself crazy reading up on parenting because a, a lot of the ideas that experts are putting out there conflict with each other. You could find conflicting advice just in this room from these moms.、Um, and how do you handle that? Especially if you find out that somebody else has given advice that conflicts with yours.、Um, there was actually a conflict、um, a little bit like that in 1 Corinthians.、Um, one problem that the early Christians had was deciding how to respond to being offered food that had been previously offered to false gods, to idols. And you get the sense that those Christians would have fallen into one extreme camp or the other. Either you should never eat that food because it's tainted by its idolatrous history, or you should always eat that food because idols are fake anyway, and you should try not to offend people who you're witnessing to. So Paul chipped in, and here's what he said to them Now, concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. So rather than using knowledge to tear down others,、um, I'm learning to see others with my love glasses on. It's kind of like a Sunday school thing right there.、Um, when I look through the lenses of love at a kid pouting or crying in the store, I start to think, well, you know, maybe they're tired. Maybe they're hurting. One of the universal Characteristics of moms is that they take care of everyone, right? Even if you're talking to a woman who isn't your mother, she might ask you things like, Are you drinking enough water? Did you get enough sleep? Are you okay? I think that's because the experience of motherhood teaches you to look outside yourself and to notice other people's pain, to look through the lenses of love rather than judgment. Moms have to learn it. But it doesn't hurt to practice no matter where you're at. I guess part of it is really realizing that every person was once someone's precious little baby. You know, sometimes I meet grumpy old men when I'm taking a walk in the morning, and I'm like, oh, good morning. And they say something like, ugh. And I kind of want to get offended. But then I imagine that grumpy old man's mom when her belly was big and she's sitting there knitting socks and dreaming of her big eyed baby. You know, it's hard to be mad at someone when you think of them as someone's chunky little muffin boy. <laughs> Which I think is Jeff's nickname, right? <laughs> Which brings me to another story. I told you Carver was an easy baby, and he was, but there were hard nights. 
I remember one night when he was maybe six months old, uh, he just wouldn't fall asleep. He had been sleeping through the night for a few weeks, and I don't know what was wrong that night, but I spent probably two hours in the middle of the night just pacing him up and down the hall and singing to him and feeding him, and then I'd try to lay him down, and he'd wake up, so I'd start the whole thing over again. And after we'd been doing this for a while, and I was exhausted, but I was trying to do the right thing for my baby, um, I was walking him down the hall, and he suddenly threw himself back at me, so the back of his head hit my face, and it hurt. I don't think it hurt him, but that pain made me instantly angry, and I wanted to hit him back. <laughs> Anger is an emotion, and we all get angry. It's okay, uh, but you have to let it go. And ask Jesus for help in getting rid of that anger impulse so that it's not your immediate reaction. Uh, Christians like to quote Ephesians 4.26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Notice there's a comma. Um, if you are actually looking at this in a Bible, you might be going, hmm, because people will look at this verse and say, oh, anger's a good thing. You shouldn't sin when you're angry, but you can be angry for a little while. But if you go just a couple of verses later to Ephesians 4.31, it says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. There's something about anger that feels a little good. Have you ever imagined someone who offended you getting what they deserve? It's imaginary revenge, and our inner pirates love it. Being a mom has forced me to get rid of that anger much faster than I used to because I don't want to be mad at my son. I don't want him to get what he deserves. I love him and I want the world to be unfairly kind to him. I want him to have opportunities beyond his capabilities. I want him to be loved even when he acts unlovable. So when he makes me mad, I let it go as soon as I can. I learned this cool mom trick from watching Nicole, our worship pastor. When you get mad at your kid, you growl, I love you so much, and you squeeze them in a tight bear hug. It's a good way to remind you that you do love them, you're just frustrated. We're commanded by God to love others, aren't we? And that doesn't mean just our kids, our spouses, our friends. It also means our neighbors, our leaders, the people who have betrayed us, the people who irritate us. They may seem unlovable to us, but they're God's little babies, and he wants them to be loved unfairly. He loves you unfairly, undeservedly. And love is not mysterious. I mean, God's love for us is a little mysterious, but love is not a mystical force that happens to you. Um, I used to believe that a mother's love is kind of mystical. Like, as soon as the baby comes out, the mother experiences this spiritual awakening, and she's just overwhelmed with love for her baby. And some moms do experience um, a chemical release uh, at birth, where their bodies are flooded with bonding hormones, but I didn't. Um, the Baby Center UK says about 30% of moms don't love their baby right away. When the nurses handed me Carver, the first thing out of my mouth was, oh, it's a baby. <laughs> oh, they all laughed too, 
And they asked what I thought I'd been carrying for nine months. And I said, well, I kind of hoped it was a baby, but I had a lot of dreams about puppies. <laughs> uh, and over the next few weeks, even though I still thought of Carver as this random baby the hospital let me take home, um, I fed him constantly, gave up at least half of my sleeping hours to taking care of him. And overall, I considered his needs more important than mine. And love grew out of those actions, from spending time with him and taking care of him. I acted out love long before I felt love. I didn't even feel like a mom until Carver was a couple weeks old, and we took him to the clinic, uh, the clinic for the genetic blood tests. Um, so when they take a baby's blood for testing, they poke them in the foot. And then they squeeze the leg to get the blood moving. Uh, and I wish now I'd waited till he was older to get this done, because it was awful. It took several pokes for her to get enough blood to do the testing, um, and it took what felt like half an hour. He was crying, I was crying, the phlebotomist was about to cry. And then the rest of the day, he was just so upset. He would not fall asleep, he wouldn't calm down. Um, after hours and hours of tears, I finally got him to sleep on me. I was sitting in a rocking chair, and it was probably two in the morning, and I was afraid to move because I didn't want to wake him. So I stayed completely motionless for about three hours. And that's when I started experiencing the fears. Common fear is one of the ways that moms bond with each other. I'm not a fearful or anxious person, but being responsible for a tiny, vulnerable human makes you hyper-aware of every scary possibility. Every mom I've ever spoken to can relate to the fear that if your baby sleeps longer than usual, they must have died. It's a common morning struggle for moms to want to check on the kids if they slept in too long. But if you check on them, they'll probably wake up. So after you do this a couple times, your thinking becomes, oh, Maybe they died, but I don't want to wake them up. <laughs> Mom fears can be really irrational. A few weeks ago, I was driving with the windows down, and I had Carver in the back seat, and he was being really quiet. And so I had this sudden overwhelming fear of, oh my gosh, did I strap him into the car seat? Did he fly out the window? <laughs> but anyway, so this one night where I was sitting motionless with my infant in the rocking chair, I started going through this huge list of fears. What if he was sick with a rare disease? What if I didn't recognize the signs? What if I messed him up for life? It was overwhelming. After a long time going through these fears, I finally thought to pray. And as I prayed, I got this image, just a picture of my head, of me sitting in Jesus' lap while still holding Carver in my lap. It was a doggy pile on Jesus. And I felt like Jesus was asking me, will you trust me no matter what happens? And I had to think about it for a while, and I said, yes, Jesus, I'll trust you no matter what. And then the image changed. Instead of Carver sitting in my lap while I sat on Jesus' lap, each of us sat on one of his knees. And I recognized that Jesus was telling me that Carver was primarily his own child. And I um, am his earthly caretaker, but I'm not ultimately the one in 
charge of Carver's life. The Lord will take care of him. I said earlier that our soul is being refined so that when we go to be with Jesus, we can truly enjoy him. Here's what the ancient prophet Isaiah says about the day that that will happen. So pay attention to what this says about fears for our children. In that day, the wolf and the lamb will lie down together and the leopard and the goats will be at peace. Calves and fat cattle will be safe among lions and a little child shall lead them all. The cows will graze among bears. Cubs and calves will lie down together and lions will eat grass like the cows. Babies will crawl safely among poisonous snakes and a little child who puts his hand in a nest of deadly adders will pull it out unharmed. Nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For as the waters fill the sea, so shall the earth be full of the knowledge of the Lord. In that day, he who created the royal dynasty of David will be a banner of salvation to all the world. That's Jesus. The nations will rally to him, for the land where he lives will be a glorious place. Someday, we're going to live with our Lord with no fear. That's more important than everything else. So let's allow the everything else to shape us into people who enjoy him more and more, whether that's through the trials of motherhood or a difficult job or health problems. We who love Jesus all have the same end goal. So think about whatever you're going through right now. You're alive, so I know there's something. I want you to think about what God might want you to learn or develop during this challenge. And then, thank him. Thank him for giving you the opportunity to grow through that challenge. But I also wanna let you know, if you're struggling through something alone, if you're thinking, I need to get through this and then I'm gonna find help when I'm just a little bit more in shape, um, stop it. Like, you're one of those people who clean at the house before the maid comes. That doesn't make any sense. Talk to someone. Find someone to walk with you through it. If you can't talk to your friends, uh, check the box on the connection card that says um, that you want to talk to a pastor, and someone from the staff will reach out to you. I would be so much more of a mess right now if it wasn't for this church. Um, you know, we actually decided to stay in Moscow years ago because of this church. Uh, and I just want to thank you all for being the hands and feet of Christ and serving one another the way that Christ did. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, as we go out from this place, help us to keep you in focus. Help us to keep you as our number one priority that just let you weave through our lives. Lord, we weave you into all of our issues, our problems, and we trust you with what we're going through. We trust that you are good, that you do love us more than a mother loves her own baby. And we love you so much in return. In your name, amen.